Well, I am just excited to preach. I love to preach, and I can't wait to, to, to bring a word to you today, and I pray it blesses you. Uh, before I do, I wanna show you my family, all right? So they're gonna put a picture of my family up. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 21 years. She is my best friend. She is my absolute best friend. I tell all my friends, hey, I like you, but if it comes between you and her, I choose her. I wanna hang out with her more than I wanna hang out with you. She's my best friend. Uh, my daughter is 15. She's a sophomore in high school, so for parents, pray for me, okay? Just pray. Intercede, intercede. Now she's an amazing little young, young woman. I almost said girl, but she's becoming a young, uh, she's becoming a young woman and it breaks daddy's heart, but I love her so much. And my son Jace is 12 and he's in seventh grade and he loves basketball and that's all that matters because I'm six, seven. <laughs> uh, I, remember, I, I remember when my daughter was born, uh, uh, before she was born, we tried for several years to have children and we, we couldn't have children miscarriages, all kinds of problems, um, doctor's appointments, all kinds of stuff, thousands of dollars. And I remember the day but my wife came running in with, with the little pregnancy strip, you know. She's like, look, 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 you can see, like they do in the movies, you know, you've seen this happen in the movies. And she comes in, she says, look, you know. And I can't remember if I had one stripe or two stripes. And I, I remember going, I don't know what that means. Is, is too good? I don't know. Is this good news? I assume it's good news. But there came this moment where I had this anticipatory moment where it came, and then we knew, we went to the doctor, got testing done, and we knew that we were pregnant. Now, it was a, it was a while before anybody else knew, because we just kind of kept it to ourselves for a little while. Um, she wasn't showing yet, so externally, no one would ever know. But we knew that we knew that we knew that we knew, right? And there's a lot of things we didn't know. We didn't know how this baby would look. We didn't know at the time if it was a boy or a girl. We didn't know if it would have blue eyes or green eyes or brown eyes. We didn't know if it would have blonde hair or brown hair. We didn't know what he or she would grow up to become, the personality, the height, right, the destiny, the calling. But we knew, listen to me, we knew that we were pregnant. And there's, there's some symbolism here that I have found in my life whenever I feel led or called to do something for the kingdom of God, that it's very similar in nature. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know exactly what's around the corner. I don't know if it's a nonprofit. I don't know if it's a business. I don't know what it is God's stirring in me, if it's a ministry calling, if it's, if it's, a, if it's a destiny that's coming. I can't really articulate it, and if you asked me to sit down and write it out, I wouldn't be able to. But I know that I know that I know that I know that something God is doing on the inside of me is beginning to grow. And this is what I wanna to talk to you about today. I wanna to take some time and talk about calling. I wanna talk about what does this look like? And I remember when, when, when my wife carried this baby full term and, and we gave birth to, to our, little, our little Corey, Rebecca. And I remember, you, you've heard the saying, you've heard the idiom that's said about this and we, it became our little bundle of joy. It's our little bundle of joy. And sometimes I wonder if we spend most of our life looking for joy for, from external circumstances, right? From a job, from, from a bank account, from different things that we think will bring us quote unquote joy. But I also wonder if sometimes the greatest joy we will ever discover is when God begins to do a work inside of us, a calling, a destiny, a journey that he wants to walk us on. And then we end up having, and it's the title of a message today, and this is what I wanna talk to you about, your own little bundle of joy. Your own little bundle of joy. Now, I wanna be cautious here. I wanna stop for just a moment and be very sensitive to, to the room 
and understand that there may be couples in the room that, that are going through difficult seasons right now. Maybe you're trying to get pregnant or maybe you've had a, a challenging miscarriage and I wanna be very sensitive to that. And if you'll hang with me till the end, I wanna pray over you. I, I wanna pray and believe miraculously that God will work a miracle in your life. But I do wanna spend this message using some terminology and using this, this illustration of pregnancy and how I believe it's a physical picture of a spiritual truth. Okay, I'll say that again. What I wanna to talk to you about today is a physical picture that we see biologically that is also paralleled into a spiritual truth of how God does a work in us. Um, think about this Christmas season. You know, The angel comes to Mary and says, you're gonna give birth, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna get pregnant, you're gonna give birth, and you shall, you shall call him Yahweh, Yeshua, right? Jeez, you're gonna call him Jesus. And she says, whoa, 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 how could this happen? Because I'm a virgin. And the angel says, you will conceive by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to think what made this pregnancy special, what made this pregnancy miraculous was not that Mary was pregnant. It was that it was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And what will make your life important, what will make your journey miraculous is not your workings and your abilities and your talents. What will make it miraculous and what will give you your own little bundle of joy is if it is conceived by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit will come and put a seed in your spirit that begins to cultivate and grow and grow inside of you, that is then birthed out of you as a calling, as a destiny. And I wanna pray this over you as we close in just a little while. You're like, wow, that's the fastest sermon ever. I like this guy. No, later, later. I believe that God is going to miraculously give you a bundle of joy this Christmas season. So maybe you're here and you're like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm expecting anything, because you know that's what we call it, right? If you and your spouse get pregnant, when you meet other people, you'll say, we're expecting. We're expecting, what does that mean? It means we don't know what this baby's gonna look like, we don't know its hair color, eye color, we don't know what it's gonna grow up to be, we don't know all these details, but we're expecting. Even that word exemplifies a faithfulness, though we don't know all the details, but we're expecting something great. And it's the same in our spirit, man. When God puts a seed in us, we don't know exactly what he's gonna do, but we expect God's best, that he's gonna do something miraculous through us. And so there was this book uh, many years ago written. Many of the, the, the women in the room have probably read this book. There was this book that was written um, that was called, anybody, any guesses what it was called? What to expect when you're expecting. How many of you read that book? Raise your hand. Guys, don't raise your hand right now. I'm just saying, it's weird. <laughs> even if you read it, even if your wife read, made you read it, just be like, mm, I'm keeping my man card today. <laughs> but what to expect when you're expecting. It's like, why? this book sold 38 million copies to date. That's how many books that they've sold. Which tells me, that there's something in the heart of every pregnant woman that says, am I normal? <laughs> is what's happening to me, like this, this foreign stuff that I'm feeling? They wanna know two things. They wanna know, am I going to be okay? And is the baby gonna be okay, right? And there's this beautiful parallel that when, when, when God puts a seed in us, when he puts a calling and a destiny in us that we have not given birth to yet, the same longings, the same desires, the same questions pop up in our head, and I need to know what to expect when I'm expecting God to do something great in and through me. 
And so I wanna, I wanna give you five things today, okay? So I'm gonna give you five things that you can expect while you're expecting. Because we all want to, to give birth to our own little bundle of joy. And there's gonna be some things that come along in this journey uh, while this thing is gestating inside of you and coming to fruition. There's gonna, be some fi- there's gonna be some things that come to try to rob you of your joy, all right? And I wanna just let you know what they are so that when they are, you're not surprised by them. Are you with me? Come on, are you with me? All right, so get out a pen and paper. If you take notes, I want you to write this down. If you don't take notes, I want you to write this down. All right, number one, you can expect shifting. Expect shifting. I watched my wife go from this tiny little petite, like you gotta understand, I'm 6'7", about 235, okay? My wife is 5'2", she's right here. She literally comes up to right here. Yeah, we can't dance, we don't dance, Mm -mm, no dancing. She's 5'2", like 100 pounds, right? And I watched her go from this tiny little petite thing to this, mm. I just had to say every day, you look beautiful, babe. You look, you look amazing. Why? Because everything in her body started shifting. And if you research this, it's pretty miraculous. You will be so impressed by women of how they did this. But as this, as this baby grows inside of them, the liver gets out of the way. Like the liver is like way up by their lungs. It's crazy. Their stomach goes way up by their lungs, that's why they get heartburn. Their, their bladder, mm, can't even tell you about the bladder. All the women said amen on that one. Why, listen, why? Because everything is making room for something more important. Everything is saying, everything in a woman's body is saying there's something growing in us that's more important than me, And so I'm willing to temporarily get out of the way and even be squished up against something else because what's growing is vitally important, right? It's the same when God is putting something in you for the future. What'll happen, and you just need to expect it, is that things will start shifting. Things that you used to be passionate about, you're no longer passionate about. Things that used to move you just don't move you anymore. They 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 don't affect you like they used to affect you. And if you look through scripture, you'll see this happening. Mary, when the angel came to her, uh, Gideon at the wine press, Moses at the burning bush, Elijah at the mouth of the cave, even Peter, when Peter has this dream, remember this dream where he has a dream where the sheet's coming down and God is telling him that the good news of the gospel is not just for Jews, it's for the Gentiles too. And Peter's like, hold up, wait a minute, this is completely blowing my mind. Everything that Peter knew or what he thought he knew began to shift. Right? Because it was making room for a fresh revelation of what God was about to do. And so we should expect shifting to happen. And things that you things that you used that used to matter to you just don't matter anymore. And it kind of becomes, I like to tell people, um, you just know in your knower. You can't really describe it. And if somebody said, Well, I want you to sit down and articulate it for me, you're like, I can't. I don't, I don't, I can't describe to you what's happening in my life right now, but something is growing inside of me. And it's causing me to just shift. I remember whenever I was first, uh, started my career in higher education, I was a vice president at a university for about eight years. And then I went into ministry, kicking and screaming. Didn't wanna do ministry. And then I got back into higher ed later. But I remember when I, when I was about six years into my VP role, I loved my job, I loved the school, I was so passionate. So much so that I pursued all my degrees, my master's and my doctorate degree is in university administration. I just wanted higher ed was my life. 
And in about year six, my passion started to fade. And I was so confused. I was like, God, why, why is my passion beginning to dim? It was like God reached up and took the, a dimmer pack, a dimmer switch on my life and started lowering my passion for this. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. But now I know that he was making room in, in my heart and soul for what he was about to call me to do. It was a shift. And then he lowered my dimmer pack on, on higher education and he began to raise my, my dimmer on ministry. And I thought that, that he was just gonna turn this light off. And then several years later, he said, I was just kidding, John. You're gonna do ministry and higher education. You're gonna pastor a church and be the president of a university and a seminary. And things just shift. And so I just want you to know when this happens, don't, don't panic. Don't think what's wrong with me. Don't think there's, there's something, I'm messed up. No, 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 God's shifting you. God's preparing to do a shift in you. He's making room for something more important. So we should expect this. And our, the bundle of joy comes with shifting and stretching, okay? Any, any mom will tell you the bundle of joy came by being stretched. <laughs> so embrace the stretch marks. God is stretching you, but there's a bundle of joy coming, all right? Point number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. You should expect to be different. You should expect to be different. My wife back then, um, had a couple of loose screws. She was a marathon runner. Like, I don't know, like, you people are crazy. I don't understand. What do you wanna do for fun? I wanna run 26 miles. Sounds like a great day, right? When she got pregnant, she had to stop, listen to me, she had to stop doing what she used to do. She, she, a pregnant woman can't jump like she used to jump. <laughs> a pregnant woman has to stop eating sushi. I don't understand that, but they do, okay? No more sushi for you. They, they have to be different. Things have to shift. What they used to be able to do, they can no longer do. And it's like this when God begins to stir something in you. Maybe God is beginning to stir in you. Your kids are becoming teenagers, and you're like, we gotta make sure we're training up these children in the way that they should go. And you know what that means? You're gonna have to parent differently than other parents parent. You're just gonna have to be like, you know what? As for me and my house, mm-mm. ain't doing that. I've like gotten into this mode with my kids. We can clap there, Amen. I've gotten, in, I've gotten in this mode with my kids where they already know the answer, you know, when they say, but, but, but Billy's parents, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm not Billy's parents, right? You just gotta do it differently. Let's say that you're feeling this calling and desire to be debt-free. Guess what? You're gonna have to be different. When other people are spending, you're gonna have to save. Let's say you're getting this, this yearning that you wanna hear from the Lord so strongly you'll do anything because you need a word from the Lord. Guess what? You may have to fast when other people eat. I'm just saying if you wanna birth your own little bundle of joy, you should not expect to be able to do what everybody else is doing. How bad do you want it? How bad do you wanna be a carrier for Christ? And there's gonna be sacrifices that we have to make whenever we become carriers for Christ and what God is doing on the inside. This is why, this is what my, I'm, I'm amazed by a mother and her ability to say, I'm gonna stop doing that because what's growing on the inside of me is more important, right? The, the, the evening glass of wine, whatever it is, I'm gonna, I have to stop doing that for a season because what's growing on the inside of me is more important than that's going on, 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 on the outside. And this is a sacrifice that they make. I love this verse in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. This is Paul and he says, therefore we do not lose heart Though outwardly we are wasting away, now think about the symbol of, symbolism of this. 
It says inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Think about it in the context of what we're discussing, verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs the most. So watch verse 18. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Well, this is what a mother does. A mother says, I'm fixing my eyes on that which I can't see. I'm taking my eyes off of my external circumstances and I'm putting it on something that I can't see. How do you fix your eyes on something you can't see? Well, it's your spiritual eyes, not your physical eyes. My spiritual goggles have more authority than my eyesight does. It's this ability to see past all those things. Uh, I, I, men, don't worry, I did not read this book. Okay, I get to keep my man card. I did not read what to expect when you're expecting. But I did read a couple reviews. I thought, I'm preaching a message on this. I should probably do a little bit of reading on it. I found this one particular reader who wrote a review on this book, and she said, my number one takeaway from this book is that I should never compare my pregnancy to anybody else's pregnancy. Every pregnancy is a little bit different. And I think it's very similar with the calling that God puts in us. We should never compare our calling to anybody else's calling. Every single person's calling is gonna be a little bit different. I should never compare my platform to someone else's platform. I should never compare the size of my church to the size, to the size of your church. I, sh I should never compare my kids to your kids. I should never compare my house to your house. <laughs> Because the quickest way to rob yourself of joy is comparison. And so we're never going to compare. We're gonna say, God, you're entrusting me and what I'm saying is, God, I'm available to be a carrier for you and whatever calling you give me, whatever seed you deposit in me, I will steward it well. I will take care of this thing. I'm gonna make sure it, it, it survives. I'm gonna make sure that it grows inside of me and I'm gonna make sure that I give birth to it. So we never compare our callings. In Galatians chapter six, verse four through five, it says this. I'm gonna read this in the Message Bible. I love how some of these words kind of pop. It says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Amen? We're not gonna compare. We're not gonna compare our callings with other people. Number three, number three, write this down. Expect sorrow to turn to joy. Expect sorrow to turn to joy. Because with God's calling comes sorrow. No amens? Oh, cool. <laughs> but I didn't want to stop the point there. I wanted to say, you can expect sorrow, but you can expect sorrow to turn to joy. Okay, let me show you this verse. This is Jesus' words in John 16, 21. He said, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Let me show you what this word sorrow, sometimes the English language just doesn't cut it. Let's go back to the original Greek language, okay? In the Greek, this word sorrow, the King James Version says travail. In the Greek, it's the Greek word lupe, and it means heaviness, affliction, grief, and annoyance. 
Sometimes when, when God puts something in you, if, let, let's just use for an example, let's say that God puts this desire to start a nonprofit organization, okay? Do you think that's gonna come to you pain-free? Do you think that it's gonna be no sacrifices, no challenges, no financial hardships, no staff issues, right? We've lived in this world long enough to know that there's challenges around every single corner. And Jesus is confronting this. He's saying, you should expect it. No amens, cool, all right. But we should expect sorrow to turn to joy, that there's something supernatural that happens uh, in, this, in this time. I remember Michelle, uh, when she was giving birth to our, first, our firstborn, Corey, she, was, she went for the epidural. Ladies, can I get an amen? She's like, come on, somebody. Some of you are from a, a, a different generation who are like, you spoiled young ladies, you don't even know, I didn't get no epidural. My wife's like, I don't give a rip, I want the epidural. So, so they give her this epidural, and then it comes time to push, and she's like, hold up, wait a minute, I feel it. Something's not going on right. So what happened is it didn't take properly, and half of her body, it worked, and the other half, it didn't work. And so she's like, hold up, pause. Can we pause this? Is there a pause button on, on delivery? Because I'd just like to push pause and rewind, you know, let's DVR this thing back. And could y'all go back around to my spine and do whatever you did the first time? Because... And I remember, the doc, I'll never forget that the doctor was right in her face and the doctor got right up in her face and said, it's too late for that, Michelle. You're just gonna have to push. And sometimes I wish that God's calling came with an epidural. <laughs> but what I've discovered, and maybe, maybe you're gonna skirt through life in a dream, and man, God bless you, you have more favor than I do, but what I have found that God's callings comes with sorrow. God's callings comes with sorrow. But it also comes with a bundle of joy on the other end of it. And this is what Jesus is describing in this moment. He's saying, hey, your hour has come, so you should expect sorrow, but I want you to know that as soon as the sorrow is over, you'll forget all about it. I watched my wife two times for 18 hours, the first birth, labor, cry, Misery, and I'm a helpless dad just sitting there like, well, I can hold your hand, but that's about all I got here. And then I watched this, the, the doctor take this baby and put it up on her chest, and I watched her face turn from anguish to pure joy, right? So much so that a couple years later, she's like, hey, let's do it again. <laughs> and this is how it is to live a life with Christ. I don't care if you're eight or 108, you are fertile, God wants to use you again and again and again and again and again. God wants to put something in you that cultivates in you, that births out of you, that you steward and rise up into to its own adult, right? God is in the habit of doing this. Let me ask a question. All the moms who have delivered a bundle of joy, raise your hand real high, raise your hand real high. Okay, put your hand right down. How many of you would say, it was the best day of my life. Like, could we do this every day? Standing meeting, 10 o'clock in the morning, every day, I wanna have a baby. It was the most fun I've ever had in my life. I just wanna do it every single day. Any takers, raise your hand, anybody? Okay, all right, none that I see. Any online campuses, all right. Now let me ask you another question. How many of you say it was worth it? Why? Because the anguish turned to joy, right? Let me read a verse for you. Hebrews 12, two, it says, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Watch this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus had his own calling. Jesus had his own purpose. Jesus didn't get an epidural. (laughs) He endured it. It didn't say he loved the cross, enjoyed it, said let's do this every day, this is fun. He endured the cross and it says why he endured it, it was for the joy on the other side of it. He had the ability to look past the sorrow to the other side of the sorrow and you know what he saw? He saw you. And because of the joy he saw in the freedom that you would live as a believer, he said I'll endure it. I'll endure it. I can endure short-term pain for long-term joy, an eternal perspective, and this is what God is birthing in us. Number four, if you're taking notes, write this down. While you wait for your bundle of joy, you can expect parallel production. Parallel production, what does this mean? Think about the miracle of this, y'all. Inside this womb, God is creating central nervous system, blood vessels, veins, muscle fibers, tissues, bones, joint, marrow, brain matter, hair follicles, DNA, fingerprints. I could talk for 30 minutes about the miraculousness of a baby being created in a womb. Unbelievable. But even beyond that, if you've ever stopped to think about it, the whole time God is creating this baby in the womb, God is doing a parallel production. At the same exact time that a mother's, mother's body is creating a baby, it is simultaneously producing a substance that will sustain the baby once it's born. There is a parallel production being done so that when the, when the, when the baby comes into the world, there is something available from the same body that will provide every vitamin, every mineral, everything it needs to sustain life from that point forward. And what I've found in my life is that when God is doing a work in me and preparing me for my next calling, he is simultaneously doing a parallel production in my life to prepare me to sustain that calling. I never wanted to preach, I was petrified to preach. I came on staff at a church as a campus pastor and I said, I will, I will take the job as long as you promise me I'll never have to preach, ever. So, so I come in as this campus pastor role. Four years later, the, the lead pastor has a moral failure, and before I know it, I'm thrust into the pulpit as the lead pastor. I'm like, God, you tricked me. It was, that's not cool, God. It's not cool. What I realized is the whole time God was doing this work in me to prepare me for my future, he was doing a parallel production. Writing, going to school, writing papers, crafting my art in communication, crafting my art in proving a point, improving my case, was all a parallel production that God was doing. And I would venture to guess that if you'll look close enough, if, you'll, if you will stop for a moment and look around your life, you will see God doing a parallel production. So it makes me wonder, God, what are you doing in me now for my next thing? And this is what you should be thinking. You should be expecting God to do something. You shouldn't be doubting, you shouldn't be fearing. You should have an amount of faith that's like, I don't, I don't know exactly what God's doing, but I'm expecting I'm expecting God is gonna do an amazing thing. He's crafting and molding something in me and simultaneously doing a parallel production in me. In Philippians 1.6, it says, being confident of this, that he who, be, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. If God began it, he'll finish it. Amen? Which leads me to my sixth point. Let me, let me read this passage to you in Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66.7 says, before she goes into labor... 
she gives birth. And before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to a son. Now this passage, I don't wanna linger on this passage. This is, a, this is a messianic prophecy. Most theologians believe this is a prophetic word about a coming Messiah. And when the coming Messiah is birthed onto the scene, there will be an explosion of the church and many children will be born. I don't wanna linger on that point because I'm trying to get to verse nine. Verse nine is one of those verses that kind of gives us the, the, the character of God. What I mean by that is, is like when Moses was at the Red Sea and he's kind of doubting this moment and fearful and the people are fearful. God says this, this statement to Moses. He said, is the Lord's arm too short? God always, God always answers questions. God, God always answers with questions. Have you noticed this? He's basically saying, I'm addressing the situation, but I'm also speaking to a larger context of who I am as God. Okay, I'm bigger than you are. My arm is bigger than yours is. You can't reach across this Red Sea, Moses, but I can, right? This verse nine is one of those verses. It's addressing the situation, but it's also showing us the characteristics of God, all right? Verse nine, it says, do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery? God is saying, if I birth this in you, if I put this seed, this dream, this passion, this plan, this desire, this destiny and calling in your life, and you sense it, you're expecting, you know, God's saying, do you think I'm gonna close up your womb when it comes time for you to actually give birth to it? Amen. Is my arm too short, right? It's, it's a faith-building thing. So point number five, I feel like God really sent me to give you this point above all the other points. Point number five, you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Get the room ready. You hear me? What do I mean by that? I mean that three months before this baby actually arrived, my wife started nesting. Have you seen a mother nest? Have you seen this? Have you witnessed a mother begin to create a nest before the young get there? Paint colors, bows, outfits, coordinating pillows, coordinating sheets on the crib. The crib has to match the crown molding. We had to get one of these stupid little diaper genies that's supposed to mask the stench from the diapers. They don't work. They don't work. <laughs> stupid things. You're gonna take that diaper one at a time out to the dumpster. Just prepare for that. Save your money on the stupid diaper genie. They don't work. <laughs> I stayed up till two in the morning putting this silly crib together. Why? Listen to me. Because we were behaving as though the baby had already arrived. Why? Because we were expecting. We were expecting. Our faith was big. And you'll go through seasons of life where you don't really understand, you don't know what's going on, you don't understand what God's crafting. What I feel like the Lord sent me from Texas to tell you is that you can go ahead and start getting the room ready. Okay? Is God gonna take you to the point of delivery and then close up the womb? What does that mean? I don't know, you need to pray about that and decide, define what that means. Let me give you an example though of, what, of what something God's doing in my life, okay? I have noticed a pattern in my life where every time God puts me in a leadership position in an organization, it's to fix broke stuff. 
There are those who are, are, are trailblazers, who start organizations, who are entrepreneurial, who do amazing things, build amazing businesses, build amazing churches, build amazing nonprofits. And then there are those like me that I feel called that I'm not a leader at all. I'm a re-leader. God calls me many times to come in on the back end of something that's messed up and he puts me in a position to be a re-leader. Joshua was a re-leader. Elisha was a re-leader. Many times in scripture, there's somebody who comes on the backside. Zerubbabel came back to rebuild the temple. He had to fix what he didn't break. And so I began to see this pattern in my life and I, I, I sense God, I, I feel like God has put a seed in my spirit that I'm called to, to help other people become the best re-leaders that they can be. That's all I know. It's a seed. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know how big it's gonna be. I don't know what color eyes it's gonna have. I don't know what, what color its hair is gonna be. But I know that I know that I know that I'm expecting. So how do I get the room ready? Well, I wrote a book. I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. <laughs> but it came out of me. I wrote the book. I, don't, I bought all the websites. What am I doing? I, I don't know exactly what to do, but I'm getting the room ready. And I'm trusting and believing that God's timing is perfect. I, I, you need to understand that when it comes to you giving birth to what God's calling you to do, don't rush it. Don't rush it. Okay? If a baby comes too soon, it puts the baby at risk. If a baby comes too late, it puts mama at risk. There is a perfect time for this. There is a perfect time for your calling, and you shouldn't push it. I remember Michelle... When, when, when she was right on the cusp of giving birth and she wanted to push so bad, every urge in her was to push. And the doctor looked at her and said, don't push yet. Mm-mm, mm-mm, don't push. You're gonna do damage if you push right now. We waited about 30 minutes and then the doctor said, now you can push. If you push too soon, right? Because you could fix this situation, you're, you're good. You could pick up the phone and call your boss and be like, did you know what Susie did? Because, hmm. Like, you could do some work, couldn't you? Like, you're, we, we're good at fixing solutions, but sometimes God's like, don't push it. Don't push it. Let this thing come out when it's ready to come out. And, I, and, 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 and there's this verse, I wanna read it for you. It's in, um, it's in Isaiah 54, verse two. It says, enlarge the place of your tent and stretch out your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. This, this verse, if you back up a couple of verses to verse one, it says, Sing, O barren woman, you who never gave birth. And there's those of us who feel like we're just barren. Right? Some, some of us in the room feel like, I don't, I don't have a calling, I don't have a destiny, I don't know what God wants to do with me. There's really two, two people in the room. There's the person who says, I feel like a barren woman. I can't give birth anymore. Something has happened and God, God just doesn't want to use me anymore. Maybe I messed up something in the past that I feel like I can't overcome. That's one group. The other group are those of us who are expecting. And I want to pray for both groups, okay? I want to close by, by spending some real meaningful time, not a transitional prayer. You guys seen transitional prayers in church? We're good at transitional prayers. I don't want this to be a transitional prayer. I want this to be a prayer by all of us that's so powerful that the windows, of heaven, the windows of heaven open up and miracles begin to happen in this room and miracles begin to happen at God Behind Bars and miracles begin to happen at every campus. Before I do, I wanna be really cautious. I wanna go back to my disclaimer where I started. 
because I'm well aware that all the speech that I just used and all the analogies and all of the symbolisms that I used that crafted this really cool sermon, there's really painful, there's really some pain in the room where people are not thinking in the spirit realm, they're thinking biologically that they really have been trying to get pregnant. And maybe there's been a miscarriage. Maybe there's been a really difficult and challenging situation and I wanna pray for you first, okay? My wife and I went through two miscarriages and it's one of the most painful things. So can we just, I, I, I just wanna do this real quick. I know this is kind of spur of the moment. Can everybody bow their heads and close their eyes? Every campus, just real quick, and then I wanna shift gears. If you're here today and you, you've been trying to get pregnant and you're having complications, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes because this is a real private moment. Will you just raise your hand and say, that's me? Will you pray for me? Anybody here that would say, that's me? I'm having difficulty, yep. Hands going up. I'm sure there's hands going up at the other campuses. Let me just pause real quick. Can we just agree in prayer? Father, for those in the room and those watching online and those at every campus that are having fertility issues, Lord, God, I am praying that you would do what you do, that you would open wombs today, Lord, to be receptive. God, these are individuals, families that, that are desiring to raise godly children. Bless them, Lord. We pray for a miracle to happen in their life, Lord. We pray for miracles, signs, and wonders. And nine months from now, there will be a little bundle of joy. We pray that, Lord. We believe that you are still a miracle-working God. You are still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So we pray for miracles to happen in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I don't need you to close your eyes for this one. If you're in the room and you feel like God um, hasn't given you a plan, hasn't given you a destiny, hasn't given you a desire, and you're like, your heart's cry is, God, use me. Raise your hand. Awesome, all over the room. Those of you online, campuses, all over the room. Okay, now how about those of us in the room who would say, man, I don't know what this is. Woo, God's up to something. But you would also simultaneously say, I'm frustrated. I just, man, God, what are we waiting on here? Like, I've been unemployed for a while now, God. Like, or I've, I've hated this job for a long time, Lord. Whatever it is, there's something in you that you sense it, you know what you're expecting, and you just want prayer that God would bring clarity, timing, discernment, all those things. Raise your hand real high, real high, real high. All over, awesome. All right, let me pray for you. Lord, this is the part of sermons where ugh, there's nothing I can do. Lord, I can, I can craft a message, I can get into your word, I can study, I can... I can do those things. But Father, this really is the end of my road. This is where I must leave and you must come. So what we, what we say, Lord, is Holy Spirit, come. In the same way that you came to Mary and said, I will conceive, the Holy Spirit will conceive. That's what we need, Lord. For those of us in the room who feel lost, we don't have a plan, but Lord, we're hungry. We wanna be used by you. And, and our, 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 we're open-handed saying, God, here I am, I'm available, use me. God, I pray that you would come and conceive by the Holy Spirit a brand new plan, a brand new calling. And what we say, Lord, is we're ready to shift. 
we expect shifting. We expect to be different. We expect sorrow to turn to joy. We expect a parallel production, and we're by faith, we're gonna start getting the room ready, Lord. So God, we receive the seed that you want to deposit in us today. For those of us that are expecting, Lord, give discernment, give patience, speak clearly to us, Lord. Do not allow us to have, to have challenges with this pregnancy, Lord. Give us, give us sustainability. Give us patience, Father. Give us endurance. And give us rest, Lord. For those of us that are anxious, worried, stressful, maybe the Lord would put you on bed rest. Maybe you need to put your soul and your mind to rest. So Father, I just pray a supernatural peace would rest over this room and every campus and everybody watching online, that we would enjoy the season, that Father, we would truly receive a bundle of joy. God, give us, a, give us our own little bundle of joy. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.